Good morning. Welcome to church. My name's Kyle. For those who don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here at Emmanuel, and it's, it's my privilege today to kind of continue on in the theme of the week. So at this time of year, we always have what we call kickoff Sunday, and so we come together, we celebrate who God is, we get ready for the next sort of season of ministry with a, a little bit of, of a party, a little bit of going back to school, so to speak, and so uh, this is the, the back-to-school portion for us this week. I mean, back to school was the, the theme of the week for everyone who has kids, uh, maybe teaches kids, maybe is a grandparent that picks up, drops off kids. We've, we've had the week, right? New routines. Uh, if you're like our family, labeling individually, like it, what seems like a thousand school supplies per child, which is overwhelming. And, and it's, a, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting week. Well, the going back to school part, not the labeling part, but it's this exciting time where we kind of get into a rhythm, we refocus on what's important for the development uh, of kids, and we want to carry that through with what we do uh, on this Sunday every year as a church. We're, we're looking forward to seeing where God's going to take us over uh, the fall season in this new sort of season of life. We're going to be uh, over the next number of months walking through a portion of the Bible in the book of Matthew where we see uh, Jesus starts to bring about his kingdom. We studied in the spring and early summer about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about this is what uh, I want my kingdom to be like. This is what I want the world to be like. This is what it looks like for humans to flourish. And we're going to go into this season where we look at how Jesus starts to bring that out in the world by looking at Matthew's chapter 8 to 10. But before we get there, what I want us to sort of do is, is take a step back and just really get back to the basics. I love the songs that we just sang this morning because they sort of bring us back to, to the heart of what we are here for, the heart of what we believe as a church. And, and I want to share the heart of what we're, we're doing as a church. And so if you're new, you get kind of a sense of this is where the church is going. If you're a, a long timer here, hopefully this is a little bit of review, but as we review that it gets us excited. Yeah, this is what we're about as a church. This is where we're going. This is what we want to see. And maybe this is how I can take my next step in seeing that accomplished here at Emmanuel and we see more of God's kingdom come in Abbotsford as it is in heaven. And, and to, to focus all that, what we've done as a church is we've just come up with a, a mission statement. This is what we are all about. And our mission statement is simple. It says we exist to lead people to be passionate followers of Jesus. That's the purpose of everything that we do as a church. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. We exist so that Jesus could be known, so people would learn to love him and follow him. And not just because they have to, but because they want to, because we are passionate about it. And, and all of this is to really say that we exist to make disciples of Jesus. And this term, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, are, are interchangeable. And I'm going to be using that language throughout this morning's message. But, but we're all about discipleship, which is this process of becoming a follower of Jesus and helping other people to do the same. And why we're all about this is because this is what Jesus told us to do. In Matthew chapter 28, we find one of the most quoted passages of Scripture, but one of the most important ones. When Jesus had risen again after being crucified, as he 
goes to leave his disciples to ascend into heaven. He gives them this mission. He says uh, this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so I'm telling you, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Don't worry, you're not alone. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why are we about what we're about? Because Jesus called us to do this very thing, to go and lead people, to passionately follow him. And that's what we've done, is we've, we've summed up what Jesus has said there in this simple phrase. Now, the first question that I think comes to mind for me when I, I say that, well, why should I? <laughs> I mean, I think, especially for some, maybe you're new to the Christian faith, maybe you're wondering uh, what this is all about. You might say, well, why should I, or anyone for that matter, care or want to follow Jesus? And the simplest answer that I have, and I hope that we can continually share with people time and time again as a church, is because of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he is able to do. I love the teachings of Jesus because in them we get to see so much about who God is and his care for people and what he's able to provide. And one of the ones that stands out for me as I I think about this mission statement, as I think about what we're as a church, is is found in John chapter 8 where Jesus starts to teach people. And there's all this big dispute happening of of who Jesus is, what he's all about. And Jesus comes in John chapter 8 verse 12. it, It says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you ever tried to navigate somewhere in the dark? It's kind of tricky, isn't it? I've been learning this lesson a lot over uh, the last few weeks. About a month ago, we moved into a, a new house. And uh, I have been having some trouble in this new house in that I keep being repeatedly attacked on my way to the bathroom and my girl's room. Most of us, when we go to the bathroom or go to see our kids in the middle of the night, we know where we're going in a house that's established, don't we? We know the path that's there. We know where the furniture is. But we're in the middle of this season of moving furniture and boxes, And so the reason I'm wearing long sleeves today is because I'm covered in bruises. I have stubbed my toe. I have a bruise right here on my rib because there's this one dresser that I just cannot seem to remember in the dark, and I have speared myself so many times on it. It's so frustrating. Walking in the dark It's frustrating. We don't know where to go. Even if we think we can anticipate what's there, we never quite know what pitfalls may surround us. Jesus uses this illustration to teach people something. He says that you all live in the dark without me. But when I come to you, you have light to see where you can go. Jesus is using an illustration of light and dark to talk about where every single person is in their spiritual walk and life. 
The Bible tells us that every single person has sinned, which is this churchy word for means we have missed the mark in how we're supposed to live and how God has designed the world to be. And we, we all know that. We've all hurt other people. We've all hurt ourselves. We've all gone against what we know is right at certain different points in our lives. And because of that, because of this sin, the Bible tells us that we are separated from God. And it's only natural to, to, to see how that could be. If God is perfect, if he's pure, if he's holy, if he's blemish-free, if he always gets it right, we can't be with him by nature of ourselves because we are everything but what God is. And so we're told that because of sin, there is a gap between us and God. And because of that, we don't get to experience the fullness of who he is in his presence and that's not just destructive for us in the day-to-day, -day, but it's a destructive for us for an eternity. It tells us unless we are able to deal with this darkness, we will be eternally separated from a good and loving God. But God, because he is good and he is loving, has made a way for us to deal with that. Jesus says, I have come to be the light. I have come to deal with the darkness. And so what Jesus did as God is he came down to earth to live a perfect life that none of us could live, have lived, will ever live. And then what he did is he died in our place because we're told by God there's a cost to our sin and that, that cost is a penalty, a fine, which needs to be paid for with death. But I don't want you to go through it because you are not one who can afford that cost. You aren't perfect. You are pure. You are holy. And so you'll never make the mark. And so Jesus said, so I'll be that. I'll come to earth to live and die in your place so that if you would only believe in me, if you would only trust in what I can do, who I am, what I will do, then you will be saved. And I will come into your life not just to save you for eternity, but to be with you through everything through all the darkness that you will experience in life, day after day, week after week, month after month, all the way through eternity. This is an important message that we have to be about as a church because if we have come as people of faith from a place of darkness to light, we know how important this is. But one of the troubles that, that can occur in our world is that most people become accustomed to the dark. Right? Most of us, we know this just in practicality. Think about navigating through your home. If you've lived in your home for any period of time, you know how to get from your bed to the bathroom without tripping over things, without spearing yourself in the side like I did last night. The same thing is true spiritually. We get to this place where we can sort of navigate around in life and we become almost unaware of the darkness in our life. And so it's easy, actually, to, to maybe feel promptings and urges, but not know that we need the light switch turned on to see everything. You know, the reality of the practicality of darkness is we can all get dressed in the darkness. But it's when the light comes on that we see if the outfit fits. We can all go through life and sort of function on a certain level, but it's when the light comes in that we see whether it's truly working or not. It's when the light comes into our life that we can see the beauty of how life really can be. It's when we experience Jesus that we actually experience human flourishing in our everyday 
walk of life. When we hear people, friends, neighbors, family, co-workers, classmates say things are working, it's our job to show them the light. Not because we're better than them, not because we know more than them, but because we want them to experience all that there is in life, all that God has to offer. The beauty of our faith is that through faith in Jesus, God not only saves us from our sin, meaning he saves us from ourselves and what we do to separate us from him, but he leads us in to flourishing. And he does that by not just meeting us where we are when we put our faith in him, but he says, now I'm going to show you how to live. He says, come and follow me. Be my disciple. So what does it mean for us to be a disciple? What, what, what does this word mean? It's a churchy word. We use it all the time, and so we need to unpack it. A, a disciple really just means a, a student. Perhaps a, a better word for us culturally is to think of someone who's an apprentice. What's the difference between an apprentice and a student? Well, well teachers, you'll, you'll, you'll know what a, a student is. A student somebody who goes to class from a certain time to a certain time to listen to a teacher drone on and on about information so that they can regurgitate just enough correctly that they can get a passing grade and move on towards their next stage, whether that's graduation one day, whether that's an advanced degree one day. That's what a student does. What an apprentice does, though, is they start as a student learning the information they need to learn, and then they work side by side with an expert in a field trying to become like them. A good apprentice and a good teacher will often look just like one another. You'll see this sometimes in workplaces. If you work in the trades, you'll see where, where senses of humor start to, to look the same in a certain area, where people start to act the same way on job sites. And it's because what a good apprentice does is realize that they don't know what's good for them and what is good on that job site. And they start to mimic this instructor of theirs so that they can get by. And then eventually so they can flourish and be at the top of their craft, just like the one who is teaching them, hopefully. But when we take out that human element, it becomes all the more important. When we step into considering what this means for us spiritually, we see that Jesus is God. And so when he comes to invite, he has so much to show us. And so what we ought to do is consider our lives as lives of an apprentice, where we would look at him and copy him and aspire to be more and more like him. And this isn't something that we can sort of do half-baked. We can't just go part of the way and achieve it all because that is simply not what Jesus says when he said, come and follow me. In Jesus' day, there was an expectation, which I think in many ways we have lost in our modern culture because of how we think of students and study. In Jesus' day, being a disciple was an honor. It was a privilege. It was something you sold your life out for. You left everything you had to go and follow because you knew this was the way. There, there's an expert in first century discipleship uh, amongst Jews and Christians named Ray Vanderland. 
And he writes this. I want to read this quote. This describes what a relationship between a disciple and a rabbi looked like in the first century when Jesus was talking. And he described what it should mean for us today. He said, being like the rabbi is the major focus of the life of a disciple. They listen and question. They respond when questioned. They follow without knowing where the rabbi is taking them, knowing that the rabbi has good reason for bringing them to the right place for his teaching to make the most sense. This means that the present-day disciple must be no less focused on the rabbi. We must be with him in his word. We must follow him even if we're not sure of the final destination. We must live by his teaching, which means we must know his teaching well, and then we must imitate him wherever we can. This is what every one of our lives ought to look like. It all look like what he's saying here, that we go about our life trusting in Jesus, following him, even when we don't know where he's going to go, trusting that he's going to lead us where the light is, where life can flourish, where there is the beauty of what it looks like to have the perfection of faith. If you're a follower of Jesus today, the first question that we have to have as we come back to class, so to speak, is to ask ourselves how focused am I? How focused have you been on the life and teachings of Jesus? How focused do you plan to be in this next season? Maybe you've been distracted and you say there's so much going on in the world and in life that I feel like I don't know where this is going. The question God invites us to ask is, are you willing to follow even if you don't know that next destination. So how do we do it? How do we go? I mean, I'm hoping that the answer is yes, I want to focus. Yes, I'm looking for the leading. So the next question then is how? And what I love is, is when Jesus teaches this, this, on this passage of, of him being the light and the darkness, if, we, if you follow through a few verses later, so we read in, in chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows in me will never walk in darkness. But then in verse 31, he says this, so if you hold to my teachings, then you really will be my disciples. And in the verse that comes after, he says, then you will know the truth and my truth will set you free. Jesus is a pretty simple guy. He doesn't make it easy, but he makes it simple to follow him. He says, listen to what I have to teach you, and then go and do it. Study the things that I have said, and then go and do them. This lines up exactly with what he taught in the Great Commission. Jesus spelled it out very clearly. He says, this is what you're supposed to be about if you're one of my people. You're supposed to get up, You're supposed to go to all nations, wherever people don't know me, and you're supposed to teach people about me. Supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And as you teach them about me, help them to obey everything that I have commanded you to do. For a life of following Jesus, it's not about accumulating head knowledge. It's about having a heart and a life which reflect Jesus' heart and life. And too many of us 
have lost sight of this. And this is what my worry is when we come back into the season of programming at the church and Bible studies and community groups and midweek programs. These are all amazing things and great tools that we encourage you to be a part of. But sometimes what happens is we make those the end goal. We end up coming to this place where we make following Jesus about head knowledge and moralistic living. We say, well, if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm living right, I'm not sinning much more than I used to. I'm doing less, actually, and I know a little bit more answers. I can tell you a little bit more about the Bible. I know a little bit more Jesus. We get to this place where we pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm doing a great job. I'm a great Christian. I can tell you all about all sorts of different books of the Bible. I'm a great Christian. I'm living without doing too many things wrong. I'm doing better than yesterday. And while both of those things are wonderful things, they lose total sight of what Jesus invites us to. Jesus says, I don't come so that you can have some head knowledge. I don't come so that you can just be a slightly more good person today than you were yesterday. He says, I have come to bring a radical new way of living and being. I come to bring you hope and peace and joy in every circumstance. I come to guide you in every step of your life so that when you don't know where to go, when you're stumbling around, when you're questioning what's going on in the world, that you will be with me and taking the next step to where I want want to teach you. The problem is for those of us who have been a part of the church is that we have been on a quest to be good learners of the teachings of Jesus, but in the pursuit of that, we have actually failed to do what Jesus taught. We must recapture all of what it means for us to live, to lead, to be passionate followers of Jesus. We must go. We must do We must baptize, we must teach, we must help others, and we need to live that with the fullness of teaching who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. My hope for us in this next season of of being a church is that we can strip off all this reductionalist discipleship that we've been a part of and we can embrace all that Jesus would have for us. As we go into the sermon series, which is going to start next week, which we've titled Kingdom Come, which is about how Jesus brings his kingdom in the world. We're going to wrestle through healing and what Jesus does with people who are sick and people who are demon-possessed and how he commissions people to to go into crazy circumstances where where people will resist the church and the teachings of Jesus. This is what we are to lean into and press into. And if we are going to get there, we have to view discipleship as a whole-bodied, everyday apprenticeship of the only one who can bring light and life to our life. Jesus is more than just a friend. He's more than just someone to chum around with and to give us a sense of not being lonely. Yes, he is that, but he is also to be the prominent figure and mentor and teacher and master of the whole of our lives. We're not supposed to just teach Jesus as a teacher. It's about more, again, than just mental ascent. It's about knowing the Bible inside and out in doing it. Discipleship is about more than just what happens in this lovely warm box that sits on the corner of Blue Jay and McClure on a Sunday and throughout the week. It's about what we do as we go to live on mission, to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he can bring to our lives. 
Jesus, following Jesus is not just friendship, it's not just learning, it's not just serving God's people, it's all of those things, but it's also so much more. Jesus calls us to a radical, wonderful, flourishing life with him where we treat him as our true authority, where we set our life's rhythms and patterns focused on him so we can experience more life and so we can help others to do the same. My question, church, is how serious will we take this? We will only go we will only experience, we will only help advance the kingdom as far as we are willing to invest ourselves in to this apprenticeship in the way and teachings of Jesus. And so today, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I actually want you to put pen to paper to figure out what your next step is. As you came in this morning, you hopefully received a little piece of paper that looks like this. This is our discipleship self-assessment. And if you're looking at this and you go, I think I've seen this before, I've done this before, the answer is yes. And we're going to keep doing this because this is a tool that we've developed, which we believe helps us focus on what we have defined as six essentials of what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you don't have one of these, uh, in a second here, you can just put up your hand and we'll have someone bring around to you. But I want you to take this and I want you to look at it and consider what God invites us to do. Consider what it looks like to have a whole life centered on him. And so what we have is we have this model which has uh, the center circle, which is just you. And I, what I'd love for you to do is put your name in there. And then we have these six different branches and we have said, as we've studied scripture, as we've looked at this as a leadership team, we've said there's sort of six components that take place in the life of everyone who wants to follow Jesus. And the first is that we gather for worship. We do what we're doing right, what, right now. We, we, we come together to engage with teaching, with prayer, with worship through song, with, with giving, as a means of experiencing God and celebrating him. We also believe that it can't just be about a big thing that we, we all do once a week, but it's got to be regular, ongoing, and we have to do it in relationship with people. It's easy to just get lost in here on a Sunday morning. And so we say we want us to grow in community groups. We want to find a small group of people who we can learn to be like Jesus by helping care for them and be community for them. And we want to experience more Jesus as they care for us and be community for us. We say that we all got to share in the work. That means we're all part of building up the church. We believe what Jesus says when he says, every single person who follows me will be given gifts to build up my church. And you are supposed to love and serve one another. And so a part of our apprenticeship in Jesus is to love and serve just like Jesus loved and served when he washed his disciples' feet, when he walked alongside them and taught them. And so we believe that every single one of us needs to share in the work. But it's not just about what happens amongst God's people. It's about what happens in the world. And every single one of us, to live what Jesus says, must go. Jesus says, go. Go out into the community. Be on mission. And so we believe that every single one of us, as part of our discipleship with Jesus and helping other people to become disciples, has to go and engage in mission in the community in an intentional way. And then we believe that you have to expand in knowledge and skill. We have to be intentional. You know, I come down on us for being intellectual sometimes because sometimes it stops there, but it's still an important part. Don't let me lose sight of that. It still is an important part that we have to do. We have to be intentional in learning and growing, and sometimes we do that through things like taking courses and classes and participating in Bible studies. And then essential to all of this is that we each and every one of us have to walk with Jesus. 
We have to be intentional in participating in different spiritual practices. This can be reading our Bible, praying, participating in confession, participating in fasting, and, and all sorts of different disciplines. Every single one of us to treat our whole lives as an apprenticeship to Jesus must take part in doing things in every single one of these areas. And so what I would love for you to do today in this time is to just fill this out. On that line that you see there dotted, what I would love for you to do, and I'll do the same thing, is circle where you think you're at in that category. If you think you're doing well, put a circle far out on, on the bar. If you don't think you're doing so well in a category, put your circle close to yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm more like me in this area, less like Jesus in this area. And as you do that, look and allow it to reveal to you where perhaps you need to grow next. The reason I want you to do this here inside this place is, let's be honest, life's busy. <laughs> and some of us have the best of intentions. We want to follow Jesus. We say we want to serve Jesus, but we lose it in the middle of the week when there's so much going on. So for just a second now, take a moment and fill this out. Now, as you fill it out, don't, uh, don't allow a lot of dots close to the center to, to make you feel defeated. We're all in a journey, each and every single one of us, but we're doing it together in community. Also, don't let your ego grow if all your dots are out towards the outside, because remember, this journey is for us to become more and more like Jesus, and honestly, I don't see any of us looking quite like Jesus yet. And so remember then to sit and, and consider what is the next step that I can do. And at the bottom there, it says, I'm committed to growing in. And what I would love for you to do is write the areas that you would want to grow in over the next few months. We're going to come back to this early in next year. And what I would love for you to do is be able to write this and keep this and hold on to this so that over the next few months you can commit to one of these areas so that when we come back together again and do this in the new year, you'll be able to say, hey, I've grown in this area. I saw how God worked in this area. I saw God how, oh, God used me in this area. And then we'll be able to do it again. If you want examples of, of what the next steps could be in growing in this area, you can, you can take a look uh, at the back of this page. If you're, you're doing this online, you can go on our website and uh, answers will be there under our homepage. You click on next steps. There's more resources there. And actually there's a guidebook which can help you think about some of the spiritual disciplines you can take, but take part in. And if you want help with that, I'd encourage you to, to talk to a Christian friend, someone you look up to, maybe a mentor, someone in community group. You can always contact us, us here at the church. Our elders, our pastors would love to meet with you and help walk you through what this could be. But as we do this, church, let's commit to grow. Let's commit to seeing what God can do in us and through us as he expands his kingdom. Let's take an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to tell us how we can go forward next and then let's respond to him in song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for...
who you are. Jesus, I thank you that you loved us enough to come and die for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live within us and that you uh, work on us to help us become more and more like you. God, I just pray that as we look at this thing of discipleship here as a church, as we, as we take seriously what it means to be an apprentice of you, Jesus, would you allow us to be transformed? But would we be transformed not for our, our own sake, even though that's awesome, God, but would we also be uh, transformed for the sake of others and the expansion of your kingdom? God, would you use what uh, we are committed to doing in partnership with you in our lives to, to make an impact? God, would you bring about more of your kingdom, more of your will, more of the glory of your name in, in our city as it is in heaven, in our, our province as it is in heaven, and in our country as it is in heaven, around the world as it is in heaven? And God, would heaven look, or would earth look more like heaven every single day as the light breaks out, as the darkness recedes, because Jesus, you are made known. Lord God, as we respond to you through song, God, I pray that this would lift up our hearts, that we would be unified in the words we sing, but Lord God, that you would get the glory even now in this. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.